Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... Have you been set free or does something still have a hold on you? That thing you can't quit. That thing you keep doing. That thing that is now you realize has taken the place of God in your life. If your answer is no, you can put your trust in Jesus Christ today because anyone. Jesus said, whoever will come to me, I will by no means cast out. We have said many times before, you can't be too bad to come to Jesus. You can only be too proud. If you are struggling with bad habits, or if you think you are just not good enough for God, Pastor Jim will be helping you to really understand the gospel of Jesus Christ and put your trust in Him today. He will teach the difference between a so-called Christian and a committed follower of Christ. In Paul's letter to the Philippian church, he wonders if they are still committed and persevering through their trials. We will learn that in the Lord, we find power to experience joyful perseverance despite any difficulties. Now let's open our Bibles and join Pastor Jim for part one of his message entitled, Joyful Perseverance. We'll have more information about the church and how you can get a copy of today's message. But for now, here's Pastor Jim. If you're out in the working world, there's an important lesson that you need to learn. You didn't learn it very well in school growing up because this did not happen in school. But if you're out in the working world, it is very reasonable for your boss to expect the work to continue whether he or she is there or not. So if the boss goes out, that doesn't mean we do what we did in middle school and run around like crazy people. That means that we are still to continue the work. Uh, Not just work, right? Because anybody can look busy, right? We used to work with this guy, uh, worked at our company for a while. He was on a work release program. And every time you walked into the office, you knew he was doing nothing, but he would shuffle the papers around on his desk to make it look like he was working. But as soon as somebody would walk in the door, that's not what we're talking about. The boss has every reasonable expectation to make that you are doing your job with the same quality, whether the boss is there or not. Problems, you just don't throw them to the side. You need to work them out, try to think, what would the boss do if the boss was here? What have we been trained to do? What have we seen before? And not just what's easiest in problems. A lot of times that's what people do. Oh, let's just take the easy route. You know, he'll fix it when he gets back. Or sometimes people do nothing. Remember, especially young people, when you do nothing, that is a decision. You have decided to do nothing, okay? And so let's remember that. Um, but you are to do, I am to do what is best for the mission of the company. We are to persevere through the difficulties to get the job done. Now, Jesus Christ lived, died, rose from the dead, ascended into heaven. The Bible tells us he is seated at the right hand of God and that he will return. And one of the things that he did was he gave the early church, the apostles in the early church, he gave them the word of God and the Holy Spirit, and he had the reasonable expectation that his work that he started on earth would continue. Now let's fast forward 30 years from Jesus' ascension, and here we have the Apostle Paul writing kind of a thank you note to the Philippian church that had sent a gift to him, and he's 
in jail. We're not exactly sure where he is. Scholars want to argue where he is. doesn't matter to me where he is. He's not in Philippi with the Philippian church and as he's writing to them. We don't know whether he's awaiting trial or he's awaiting sentencing, okay? And he's expecting the Philippian church that he founded to continue the work of the gospel, to continue the work of the gospel. Today, the Lord expects that all his committed followers, and we're going to really try and draw the line in the sand today on what is a so-called Christian versus what is a committed follower of Christ. The Lord expects the committed followers of Christ, the Lord expects his churches to stay at it despite the difficulties. To stay at it despite the difficulties. The Lord expects and empowers, please hear the second word. He just don't only expect, but he expects and empowers The title of this morning's message, Joyful Perseverance. Joyful Perseverance. Now, he has just concluded, if you were with us the last two weeks, a very, very personal section of the letter. And basically, he said this. He just says, you know, whether I return to you in Philippi or, quite honestly, whether Caesar cuts my head off, I'm going to be okay. Because either way, remember what we said last week, for me, he said, to live is Christ and to die is gain. So either way, no matter what Rome does to me, and most scholars would think that he is in Rome anyway, but no matter what Rome does to me, he says, he's part of the, they're in the Roman Empire, I get Christ. Now, if you're new to the Bible, and I know many of you are, and always excited when people are new to the Bible and just see me or see one of the other people, go to the info table after service. We'll try and uh, help you get up and running and understanding as much as you can of the Bible very quickly. The Bible did not have these chapter and verses. That made it easier for us to figure out where things are in the Bible because I gave you one page, but you look at your neighbor, they're on a different page because the page numbers, depending upon the version and whether it's a study Bible or all these other kinds of Bibles can really vary. But the chapters and verses are not inspired by God. We have to read the chapter and verses. That's not the word of God. And I'm not too happy, not that anybody cares how happy I am. I'm not too happy with the chapter division here because I think that verse 27 really belongs in chapter 2. And because we enter into a new section as the Apostle Paul turns from his circumstances to what's going on at the church in a section, if I had a name at all, I would call the call to sanctification, including two weeks from today, we'll spend two weeks on it, the majestic section of chapter 2, which talks about Jesus coming to earth And we really will step on holy ground there. Now, the Philippian people, remember we've said before, don't think it's easier for the people in the Bible than it is for us. The Philippian people were just like us. Or as I said in the first service, just like some of the people who come to the second service, and I'll say to you, just like the first service people, right? They're just like us. They expect to live in a world without problems. Do any of you expect to live in a world without problems? You're just like, Lord, today, thank you. And this will be a blessed day if there's no problems. The Philippians were selfish. Any of you, no, I don't want to ask you, but you never tend to be selfish, selfish. And so they were, like me anyway, sinful people. You don't need to say amen. And what the Philippian people, appears to be some cracks in their church, although this is probably the most friendly letter of all the apostles' letters, it seems like they're letting life start to kill their faith a little. 
we'll talk about next week, he's calling them to some internal thinking, and so there's probably some internal things going on in the church, which will come in the church in Philippi that he founded here. There'll be some internal problems, we'll talk about some pressures from the inside. Remember, like I've said to you many times before, listen, if the devil doesn't go to your church, Jesus probably doesn't go either. Because why in the world would he waste his time going to a church where everybody's doing his work? So he comes in, he tries to cause division among us, he, little problems, you know, and just want to fight about this or difficulties with that. We're thankful we don't have that, but you know what? It comes, what are you going to do about it? Not to worry about it. Here, I think more of the pressures that he's talking about initially, next week a little bit more in the church things, here I think the pressures are a little bit more from the outside world. And I think... As Christians, those of us here who are, we'll talk to you in a minute if you're here today and you're not a Christian, but I think we're going to have to come to the realization that the pressures from the outside culture are increasing more and more with every day, and it's not going to get easier. It's going to get harder before it gets easier, and in some ways it seems like the Lord is just really kind of refining the church, seeing who's the real deal and who's not, and you know, that's his, it's his world, he can do what he wants to do, but there's going to be all kinds of pressures, and we're going to really see in the years to come who are the real Christians and who aren't. We're really going to see in the years to come who are the real churches and which are the ones that are just kind of going through the motions of it. I know a lot of people are afraid, you know, if we talk about certain things, we, you know, rub people the wrong way that, you know, the people won't be satisfied with us, they won't like us. But at the end of the day, we want God to be pleased with us. And so that's one of the reasons why we, you know, we'll talk about it in a bit, continue to teach the Bible here. In the first century church, there was the pressure to conform to Caesar's world. Now I think it's more for us, it's media world. And so while they had all of the different uh, false gods of the Greeks and the Romans, now we have all the false gods of the television set. Shifting values were very, very common in their culture, very, very common in ours. Things that were important to us 50 years ago, now we're looking at and we think are a joke. And 50 years from now, Americans will be looking at the things that are important to us and thinking that they're a joke. One reason why we love the stability of God's word. And as for a Christian, for a church, when we trust in Jesus Christ, we enter into God's great plan of joy. And did you know that his plan is much better than anything that the media God could ever, ever promise to you? Did you even know that his plan is much greater than even any plan you have for your own life? And so we enter into God's plan of joy, and it takes the power of the word of God and the Holy Spirit to maintain zeal in the faith. It just doesn't happen. You and I have to persistently stay at it. We have to persevere. It also takes the power of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit to keep us as a church unified. That's why so many of your friends, you say to them, hey, why don't you come visit my church? And they're like, church, been there, done that. <laughs> they don't, just don't, you know, done with arguing, you know, uh, where that picture goes and what color the wall is. And, you know, I've noticed this about Christians or just like pe you know, regular people in the world. You ask 100 people and you get 200 opinions. I mean, it's just the way it is. And, you know, uh, half the people have no opinion and the other half, they just have 20 opinions. And so that's just the way of the world is. And people are like, I don't want to do that. So I don't, I've been there, I've been part of that. And so we have to focus on Christian unity because we have to remember not only is God watching what goes on in our church, but people are watching. And they want to see, is there something different about these people? Is this faith really making them as different as they pretend to be or say they are? 
So the Apostle Paul this morning, I believe, wants to give us four encouragements in some of these pressures, particularly some of these external pressures. If you're taking notes, number one, it's a perseverance in conduct. A perseverance in conduct. Look at verse 27. He says, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Well, let's just stop right there. The Apostle Paul, just laying it out to them, saying, listen, whatever happens to me, whatever they do to me, whatever they say about me, whatever the verdict is on my life, Philippian church, you live like Christians. Don't worry about me. Worry about yourselves. Worry about one another. And as the founding pastor of this church, if you're with us, we said that he probably founded this church about 10 years ago, almost the age that we're coming up to. And the founding pastor of the church, the apostle of joy, there seems to be only one thing that really, really kind of zaps his joy. Poser Christians. The one thing he really seems to get at him, it definitely got at Jesus, was people who claimed to be followers of God, but really weren't. That doesn't mean that we're sinless, but it does mean that we sin less. It does mean, as we'll talk a minute, that we take on the values and the heart of God when it comes to an unbelieving world, when it comes to following God. We said this in our study in the Proverbs, which is amazingly evangelistic, and Jesus is everywhere in the Proverbs. And we said this, if we think that our salvation is because of us, we will be really snotty people to people who don't believe. But when we believe that our salvation is from God, we will look very differently at people who don't believe. We will love people who don't believe. We will be amazed that God could call us from one life to another. I know a man who 26 years ago was about drugs and alcohol and chasing women and his business was his God. And then God took that man and now he's a pastor in Dover, New Jersey. That was not done by anything by that man. Nothing by that man. Because God loved him and reached to him in the person of Jesus Christ and said, I want to take you and I want to make you my son. Friend, if you believe that your salvation is of yourself, you will not be useful in the kingdom of God because the actual reality is you may not be in the kingdom of God. Imposer Christians, the apostles' nightmare. And when it comes to living for God, he tells the Philippian church, don't lower the bar, raise the bar on yourselves. Don't dismiss the word of God, embrace the word of God. Have any of you noticed that the world has lied to you? Have any of you noticed that? It has promised you all kinds of things and it quite honestly, it just cannot deliver. But Jesus won't lie to you. And Jesus will deliver in every way according to his word. Maybe not according to what you and I want, but remember, he knows what's best for us. And Jesus and the apostles were consistently insisting that the people of God answer the high calling of what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a new creation, what it means to be an adopted child of the king. Jesus said this, Luke 12, 48, he said, for everyone to whom much is given from him, much more will be required. 
Now, I know some of you think, no, that's Spider-Man 1. That's not Jesus. No, it wasn't Spider-Man 1. That was with much power comes great responsibility. Somebody ripping off Jesus. But if you're a Christian, if God has taken you, and I'm, again, not some phony plastic churchgoer, but if you are a real Christian who walks in the love of God every day, to whom much is given, much more is required. So the apostle says, let your conduct. That translation is actually a little bit awkward in English. It has to actually do with being a citizen. They lived in northern Greece, the Philippians. They were citizens of the Roman Empire. There was a certain pride in being a citizen. He says, basically, let your citizenship be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So where is a Christian a citizen of? Heaven. So what is he saying to them? Be proud of your citizenship. Live in your life what you already are. Live like a citizen of heaven. Live like a son or a daughter of the king. Live like someone who is rich beyond measure because God has calls them their father. Now he says, be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Before we can understand this, we have to quickly review what is the gospel. What is the God spell? Many of you remember that old play, not good. What is the God story? The gospel is the good news, what God has done. Did you notice what I just said? The good news is what God has done. Not you, not me, but God. What God has done for a world that is separated from him by sin. What God has done for a world that basically turned their back on God, ignored God, didn't live his way, which until you read the Bible, you will never know his way. I remember I was raised in some sort of religious thing. I don't even know what to tell you it was anymore at this point in my life. But I remember when I read the Bible, I'm like, none of that stuff I was told is even in there. That's why we must understand what God says. The good news is that God, who the world turned their back on him, became a man. His name was Jesus of Nazareth. We also know him as Jesus the Christ or Jesus Messiah, Jesus Christ. And Jesus came and he lived a perfect life in your place, in my place. He died a sinner's death on a cross in your place, in my place. He rose from the dead proving that he is the son of God. And so having given his own life, he offers a new life, the forgiveness of sins and eternal life to anyone who would put their trust in him. Who is that? Anyone. The apostle Paul said, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. That's the whole world. For anyone, no matter who you are today, it is for you. You say, I'm not worthy. We're going to debunk that argument in a second. It is for anyone, it is for you, anyone who puts their trust in Christ. Someone says, why are you going to heaven? You go, I'm a good person. You're trusting in who? You. When you, someone says to you, why are you going to heaven? If you say, because I put my trust in the perfect life of another and my sins were paid for by another. You are trusting in Christ. In Luke chapter four, verse 18 and 19, Jesus is in Nazareth at the beginning of his ministry. 
He's in the synagogue on the Sabbath, and he reads to them the scriptures from Isaiah 61, written hundreds of years before he lived. Listen to what he says to them. He reads to them, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel, the good news, the announcement to the poor. Often the Bible, when it talks about poverty, talks about spiritual poverty. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty or freedom to the captives, those who are captive of sin, and recovery of sight to the blind. He did it physically to show that he does it spiritually, to set at liberty or set free those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And what did the people who grew up with him, who heard him say that? They go, isn't that the carpenter's kid? Didn't I coach him in Little League? Not much of a swing. (laughs) You see, they weren't impressed. And then he talked to them a little bit more. And you know what they tried to do next? They tried to throw him off a cliff. And you thought you had trouble when you told people they need Jesus. (laughs) But let me ask you this question, friend. Have you put your trust in Jesus Christ or is your trust still in yourself? Have you received the forgiveness of sins? Are you sure that eternal life is yours? Have you been made spiritually rich? Have you been spiritually healed? Were you once blind, but now you see? Have you been set free, or does something still have a hold on you? That thing you can't quit. That thing you keep doing. That thing that is now, you realize, has taken the place of God in your life. If your answer is no, you can put your trust in Jesus Christ today because anyone. Jesus said, whoever will come to me, I will by no means cast out. We have said many times before, you can't be too bad to come to Jesus. You can only be too proud. But if you answer that question, yes, oh, I've trusted in Jesus, then here is the command to you is very simple. Let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. The apostle saying here to the church, don't let anything distract you. Don't let anything take you off course. The apostle was living for God in jail. Other Christians throughout the Roman Empire in the midst of all of the pagan worship and rampant immorality, that that was crazy, crazy, disgusting stuff that people would be put in jail for the rest of their life here in this country. But they were living for God in the midst of that. And you can where you are too because Jesus has promised to always be with the Christian. Now, we live in a culture that is obsessed with what's best for me. Our economy depends on you buying the stuff on television that tells you what's best for you. But here, notice the Apostle Paul, like his Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, is becoming more selfless as each day goes by because he's becoming more like Jesus. And he's more concerned, as we saw already in the letter, with the spread of the good news that people actually hear. That is our concern, Calvary Chapel. There are people in Northwest New Jersey that just haven't heard. They just don't understand. People go, oh, I've been to church. I know all that stuff. I go, well, tell me the story. And they can't tell you anything about it because they haven't heard. The Apostle Paul's not only concerned about the spread of the gospel, he's concerned with the maturity of the Philippian church. Now, what would most of us be? Oh, I'm unfalsely accused. I don't, they might chop my head off. He's like, no, that's fine. Bring it on, because I know that anything that comes to me has come because of Christ. And the church in America needs to learn this lesson, and we need to learn it fast if there's any hope for our young people. 
People will not believe in our Savior until they see him living in and through our lives. They just won't. Not to perfection, but to care about people, to do things for other people, to get the cobwebs out of our wallet and be able to help somebody in need. They need to see it. And they will start to want to hear about our Christ when they see our Christ. But this is very important. Loved ones, you have to catch this. He is writing to Christians. He is talking to Christians. He is talking to people who have already put their trust in Jesus Christ. And he says, let your conduct be worthy. Not make yourself worthy so God will take you. This is a very common misunderstanding amongst our friends and our neighbors, maybe even you if you're here today. Well, thanks for joining us today for this edition of Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney, the teaching pastor of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. We want to be sure to tell you that today's message from the book of Philippians and many others are available on CD for a suggested donation of any amount. To get your copy of today's message from Pastor Jim, just call us at Changed by Love at 973-659-3380. The only information you need is the date you heard this program. Again, that number is 973-659-3380. Or send us an email. That address is info at changedbyloveradio.com. And when you call or email us to place your order, please let us know how God is using Changed by Love in your life. It's always a great blessing to hear how God is using the teaching of His Word in your lives. To learn more about Changed by Love, visit changedbyloveradio.com. There you'll find an archive of past messages and a secure option to donate if you would like to help support this ministry. Again, the web address is changedbyloveradio.com. That's changedbyloveradio.com. In the next edition of Changed by Love, Pastor Jim will continue teaching verse by verse through the book of Philippians. That's next time on Changed by Love.